My guest today is a 15-year professional rugby veteran um, from Belfast, Ireland. It's a really cool story. Um, I met this guy a couple months ago. Uh, he made the move over to the United States about three years ago with his family, and he uh, has been really busy. He's got a lot going on, as you'll hear in the show, but he was able to squeeze me in here for a little bit. So, like I said, this one's a quick one, but doesn't make it any more less interesting. Any more or less interesting? You know what I'm saying. So, anyway, give it up for Roger Wilson. Get ready to get inspired. This, this is the Go for the Goldie podcast. Good evening. It's Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. Hope you're having an awesome Taco Tuesday. Uh, today, I am joined by driving on the throughway, Roger Wilson, former professional rugby player of 15 years. Roger, how are you, sir? Well, better to hear you, Brian, and that beautiful Buffalo accent of yours. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about accents, uh, Mr. Ireland. Come on now. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to be happy as long as people can understand me. I think, uh, you know, English is English, no matter what twang you got, right? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Roger, I know you can't see me right now, um, but I am rocking a rub course shirt. Just in honor of uh, of our conversation right now. So how about that, huh? How about that, eh? Repping Rubcorp. You've already got it in. It's only one minute in and you're repping Rubcorp. Hey, man, you got to get the plugs in when you can. Saw an opportunity and I hit the hole. Kind of like rugby, uh, hey? How about that for yeah. a tie-in too, huh? There we go, eh? Back and forth. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're on limited time today um, because obviously it's Tuesday and you got to go eat a bunch of tacos, I'm sure. I know that's what I have on deck. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get right into it, man. I mean, um, okay. kind of, you know, I always like to – People always ask me when I talk about the show, um, you know, how I got into or, you know, how I meet these people or how I get in touch with, you know, the people that I talk to. And um, with you, I think it's pretty funny. I mean, from my perspective, um, I, the first time I actually met you. Well, I OK, I don't remember the first time I met you in person, to be honest with you. Um, but <laughs> the, second, the second time when we did the interview for Rubcore, um, when you guys interviewed me about triathlon, uh, when I met you, I'm like, why the hell aren't we interviewing this guy? He's obviously in great shape and he's huge. He's way more of an athlete than I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, and then we get to get to, you know, talking a little bit and find out you played rugby. And, you know, we talk about, um, you know, kind of what I'm doing here with the, with the show and everything. And, um, you know, you tell me you're from Ireland and everything. So obviously a very intriguing story. So, um, yeah, when I put, you know, former 15-year professional rugby player on there, let's get right into it And in terms of, you know, your rugby career. Where'd you play? How'd you get started? Let's kind of give me the, uh, give me the high-level overview right off the bat here. Sure. Um, well, I have retired three years almost to the day. Um, so I did, yeah, I played professionally for 15 years. Um, 11 of it in Ireland and four in England. So there's two different leagues there. The English one's very much like the Premier League soccer. Uh, the Irish one is a mixture of uh, Irish teams, Welsh, Scottish, Italian, a couple of South African teams, bizarrely enough. So, um, yeah, 15 years is a long time in any sport, in rugby, 
it's uh, an awfully long time, you know, with all the kind of physical attrition that your that your body's taking. I think 350 plus games I played, uh, which you know compare rugby to the NFL, which a lot of people do. You know, they play kind of I don't know if I'm right, but it's somewhere around the, the line of 15, 16 games possibly. 16. Rugby yep. would be more. Yeah, rugby would be more than double that. You know, so the season goes on forever, and it, it does take its toll. So to be able to get fifteen years is uh, is is tough. It's a it's a big ask, and I was able to do it. And the body's holding up well, and uh, without you know, with the exception of a few little niggly injuries, all all in one piece. Yeah, well, you're you know, a sport like that. I mean, you're inevitably going to get some of these injuries, but yeah, you're right. Fifteen years is pretty damn impressive. Um, what would um, because I know in football, uh, the NFL, the average light or the average lifespan of an athlete in the NFL, I think, is somewhere like two or three years. I mean, it's once you get there, it's hard to stay there just because of the you know straight competitiveness of the league. People are always coming for your spot. Um, so you know, you're talking maybe the average NFL player is going to get 32 games in you know in a professional league here. For a rugby player, what's an average career look like? You know, it, obviously 15 years is long. I'm assuming not everyone goes 15 years, but um, what, what's yeah. an average lifespan of a rugby player in the professional ranks over there? Well, it would be, I think the average, I believe, last time I found out was about seven years anyway, six, seven years, and it's probably oh. getting uh, less and less. You know, whenever I played, it was... Rugby is a fairly new sport professionally. It only went professional in 1995, so uh, 25 years pretty much. So it's a very new sport. Um, so it's learning a lot. It's grown a, a, an awful lot over that period of time. And these last few years, you're really seeing the game develop massively in terms of the physical, uh, the beasts that are coming through in the game. So I think it'll only be a matter of time before the career length will go down and down. And, Probably not toward uh, as much as it is to, uh, as NFL. You know, I think they're like you said around two years or whatever. But I mean, the thing about that, the the kind of conveyor belt belt of athletes that they have over here is just crazy. You know, and they have one league. Well, I know they have. They did have the XFL for a while, uh, and maybe one or two other kind of smaller little things going on. But they have one league, whereas rugby has uh, leagues around the world. So there's more opportunities to play um, and, and keep your prof- your profession going. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it's seven years anyway. So um, to be able to do double that is um, testament to uh, I don't know good genes, I guess, and drinking a lot of milk whenever I was a kid. <laughs> drink it. It's scientifically proven. You drink milk, you have a long rugby career. That's all there is to it. That's it. Strong bones. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when you played, what position were you? Um. Not sure many people would know too much about positions, but uh, my position was actually called number eight. It doesn't really have a a, a proper name for it. It's just, just called number eight. It's part of a group of players, three players called the back row. So for anybody that watches rugby, you'll, you'll see the uh, thing called a scrum where eight players push against eight players. That's called a scrum. And basically I'm at the very back of that. So number eight, um, the game, the team's divided up into forwards and backs. Basically, to probably put it in a simplistic form, the forwards are the ones who win the ball. The backs are the ones who score. And uh, it's, it's more to it than that, obviously, but that's uh, the most simplistic way you can do it. Well, for me, I think, I mean, I I played football my whole life, you know, and you met me. I'm a, I'm a little guy. So when I got to college, 
Um, I wasn't going to be playing anything other than D2, D3. And then I wound up going to the University of Buffalo, uh, which is a D1 school. You know, not a you know, major powerhouse or anything, but you know, still Division One. So I definitely knew I wasn't the right size to play football. So I actually got into rugby when I got to uh, to the University of Buffalo, and um, I was going from not – I knew that I had a body type that at least I'd have a fit on the team. You know, I'd have a chance of making it. Um, so yeah. I went from – I didn't know anything about rugby. So for me, the way I always explained it is, you know, obviously over here I think people know a lot more about football other than – you know, or, uh, as opposed to rugby. So to me, I describe it as like – when you say the fronts and the backs, um, like it'd be, it's like linemen versus skill players is kind of like the way that I would describe it. You know, like the uh, yeah. When you see the rugby sevens, you know that's kind of like you know like a passing only league kind of thing. You know. What yeah, I, mean? I think yeah, definitely. I think it's a sport for all shapes and sizes, and that's the beauty about it. That yeah. if you're um, the uh, diminutive stature like yourself, you would probably be nice way a, of putting it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you, your position would probably be—I don't know—maybe I'm guessing wrong, but scrum half potentially. Um, you know, the guy who has to get to everywhere around the pitch and 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 make all the passes from from the breakdown. Yeah, they actually—they um, uh, had me at winger when I was playing because I was pretty quick. I just get the corner. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the other position for the short guys. Yep. Yep. And uh, <laughs> the other guy, but you're right. The scrum half was also a short guy too. So <laughs> yeah, it was interchangeable. But out of the other end of that, you've got your uh, position called second rows where they, you know, they're up to kind of six foot, almost towards, you know, almost towards seven foot, you know, so the tall guys, they're the ones who get thrown up in the line out and have to jump in the air and catch the ball. So, and you get your, the more round shaped fellas, the sumo wrestler style, who are the ones who are at the front of the scrum. You're kind of, o-line guys you know so it's a mm-hmm. bit a bit for everything you know so that's one of the great things about rugby so how did you come across playing professionally is it um you know like obviously over here most of it is you know drafts you know trying to get professional and really any of the leagues over here the nhl the nfl the nba major league baseball you know soccer there's drafts and you know that's pretty much the primary way you get there or you know sign as a free agent and kind of work your way to the team how did you do it well, it's very different. Uh, we don't have a draft system back home at all, so the whole draft system in U.S. sport is is quite new to me, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty intriguing. You know, it's a cool way of doing it, but I've no idea really how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it was really a case of you know you you play you're you're basically spotted in in school in high school, um, sometimes as early as uh, the equivalent of middle school over here, and they they kind of keep an eye on you. And once you once you finish school, then you would go into a a local or kind of regional academy system so basically every kind of region i mean ireland for example where i'm from ireland's divided into four provinces each of those provinces has a professional rugby team so if you're in a school within one of those provinces and you have uh and you're talented enough you'll be invited to kind of try out for one of the one of the academy roles so you essentially you'll you'll almost train full time then once you finish school alongside your university so they try and make it as 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 full-on in terms of a, a professional athlete's life as possible but they give you the leeway to go and study as well so gotcha. they, they really are they're, they're pretty proactive in in trying to get people to finish their degrees um you know something to fall back on with injuries and all that but that's that's just in a nutshell that's kind of the way it works um it's becoming a little bit more like soccer where 
players younger and younger are getting spotted, but I think it will take a while just to get to that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say that sounds pretty much the exact opposite of the United States where they're signing kids in middle school and like, hey, go pro as quick as you can, get that money. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, yeah. sounds like it's yeah, a pretty exactly. crazy different system. Uh-huh. So you played pro, um, you played pro for 15 years, and then uh, what kind of what kind of crowds are at these kind of games? You know, it, obviously it's a big sport over there. You know, whereas opposed to here, people don't really even know, like you said, can't even name a position on the field. Um, so what are yeah. what are the crowds like at these kind of games? Well, you have it's very varied. You know, you, international level, so it's, that's the difference as well. You know, rugby is played internationally around the world, so. For the big kind of international games, you know, the likes of uh, New Zealand against England or Ireland against South Africa, you're talking um, uh, crowds the same as kind of uh, NFL or college, you know, that sort of, you know, tens of thousands, if not towards the hundreds of thousands or hundreds of thousands. So um, it's good crowds. Then you go down to kind of the club level, uh, which then can really vary you know you might the top ones there wouldn't be as much as the likes of premier league soccer where you're talking 50 50,000 you at best you're probably a lot of basically a lot of the stadium stadiums would average around 20 to 30,000 in your stadium so it's not huge but it's still uh still a decent number i mean that's still really impressive i mean you toyota stadium here in frisco that's that's 20,000 you know and uh um, yeah that's when that's a sellout. I mean, that place is rocking, you know. So. Oh yeah, well that's. I mean, that's exactly the same size as the stadium that I played for most of my life in in Belfast and in, in Northern Ireland, where the stadium was probably around twenty thousand as well, and it used to sell out every weekend. And that's amazing. Um, it was very yeah. I mean, the noise they made for twenty thousand people was was incredible, and that's a great thing about uh, sport back in in the UK and Europe and whatever. They, the the crowds are very. They sing a lot, you know. They, they, it's, it's not like they're quiet, quiet for a while, and then they just cheer whenever something gets exciting. They, you know, they have all their songs, whether it be rugby or soccer or whatever. They have all mm-hmm. their songs, so it's quite a good atmosphere all the way throughout. And like we were talking about too, I think when we when we first met or at that interview that we, you know, I'd referenced earlier, um, one of the things we were talking about was, you know, Belfast isn't that big of a city. You know, I was actually surprised when you told me. I forgot the number. How how big is the area? Do you remember? Uh, I think it's somewhere between three hundred to five hundred thousand, something like that. So it's not huge. No, that's not because then when you th- start thinking about, you know, you you said you guys play basically double the season of an NFL schedule. So instead of yeah. eight home games, you're basically playing sixteen home games. And when you say that most of the time those games are filled up, I mean that's a good chunk of the population that's heavily engaged in coming to these games. So there's oh. There's a passion. That's and, and, awesome. and even you mentioned, it's funny you say that because for Belfast, you think that, but you go to some of the leagues. I mean, France probably has one of the most lucrative rugby leagues in the world, along with probably Japan. But France, they have, it's very much like a, uh, so rugby in Ireland is done on the on the state or the, the, the province or whatever you want to call it. And, and France is done by the city. So you go to some cities in France which have rugby teams and they won't have any more than, Thirty to forty thousand population of of the town or the city, and literally on on a match day they would have eighty to ninety percent of the the town or the city, if you want to call it, if it's that big, will be at the rugby game, and oh. you can go around the town and there'll be nobody else. Like it, it's like a ghost town, you know. So 
uh, that's pretty unique uh, as far as that goes for that's French cool. sport. Is there um, in soccer? You know, there's like relegation. You know, when you don't you don't have a great successful year. You know, you're, you're what, in the bottom three or whatever. You kind of flip flop with the league below you. Is that does that exist in rugby? Depends what league you're in. Um, the, the the English uh, Premiership that I played in, there was relegation. I think they're they're thinking about stopping that. But the uh, the league I played in. Which, which the Irish provinces were in, there was no relegation in that. And I think a lot of the other, most of the leagues, the French one does have relegation. Uh, a lot of the Southern Hemisphere ones don't. So it kind of just depends. Okay. There's arguments for both, which is better, which is not. So do you, um, so growing up in Ireland, obviously you grew up playing rugby. Um, what other sports are popular over there? I mean, soccer. In Ireland, yeah, soccer. Is, I think actually rugby might be number one sport at the minute. Uh, they've had a the last kind of ten years. Irish rugby's been amazing, so they've had huge success and popularity's grown. So it's probably rugby's number one. Soccer's obviously big. It's always going to be big, but mm-hmm. in, actually no, I, no, I got that wrong completely. The biggest sport in Ireland uh, is uh, Gaelic football or Gaelic Gaelic games. So there's two Gaelic games. There's Gaelic football, which is very similar to Australian rules rules football or Aussie rules football okay. and there there's another one called hurling which is very similar to well not very similar but it's kind of similar to uh, lacrosse basically so they're the kind of two big ones um, and obviously rugby and, and soccer as well so they, they I guess they'll, they'll be the main four ones wow that's crazy that uh, I you know if I wouldn't know what hurling was if I was watching it on TV. So that's... Oh, nobody would. It's just not. So it's the only country it's played, so nobody would watch it. Um, but it's a, it's an amazing sport. Like, it's so fast, and it's, uh, I mean, you have, you know, these, the goalkeepers. I, I, don't, I don't I haven't watched enough across to comment, but the goalkeepers in, in hurling, they're getting these, uh, you know, rock card balls getting smashed at them, you know, 100 mile an hour, and they don't wear... Well, a lot of them don't wear like helmets or face masks. It's like Crazy. a bravado thing, you know. That mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the guy. So they're they're literally throwing themselves in front of this, like, and it's just crazy, yeah. Well, you got to think about too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the sports over there, it's in a generation after generation after generation. You know, these are sports that've been being played year for like hundreds of years. Whereas, you know, America, we've only been around for a couple hundred years as a as a freaking country. You know, so. Um, yeah, because I was watching. Uh, is Ireland a part of the Highland Games over there? I know that's Scotland. Um, I don't think so, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I know for sure Scotland. Yeah, they do all the kind of uh, throwing the big massive log over the. Yep. Yeah, and the uh, the uh, and the kegs, yeah. you know, tossing those over their head and stuff too. I didn't know how, because I, I know like they. It's something that's, you know, obviously it's just once a year and these guys train for it the whole year. Because I, I watched a show on, on Netflix. It's called Home Home Field Advantage, I think it's called. Or maybe just uh, Home Field. And uh, the king and queen actually go to the games too every year. It's like a tradition of theirs. So um, it's, right? it's like a unified. Yeah, I didn't even know that. So it's, it was pretty cool. Check it out on Netflix. I, they had a lot of crazy sports. They had another one where you actually might find this interesting. It's a combination I, of like rugby and. I knew you were gonna say this. It's the one in Italy, isn't it? It's yes, the, um, in Florence. Uh, what's the name of it? It is I, that is. I know what show you're talking about, and I watched. It's the first episode of it. Oh, Calen, uh, Calencia, Calenco, Calencia. It's something like that. It's, some, it's something like that. It's unbelievable. It's literally like UFC come uh, rugby stroke, so uh, handball or something like that. It's like no holes barred fighting until you clear a pathway for to score a goal like it's just 
You gotta be nuts. Hey, you gotta like, be nuts to brilliant. do it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But they train all year for it. Like it's one of these kind of. Yep. Uh, where I can't remember the city. Is it um, Florence? Florence, Italy. Florence, yeah. yeah. And they, they divide up like four regions of Florence. They've mm-hmm. been doing it for centuries, you know. So. You can only go where you, you were born, right? That was, I think, that was That's the caveat. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's exciting. Yeah, I remember seeing that. It's brilliant. I, yeah. So definitely, if you're listening to this, and uh, this kind of some of the, there's a little bit of the inspiration about this show, to be honest with you, too, because I was watching it and I'm seeing these, you know, because it was that sport, and then it was. Um, uh, free diving's another one, um, roller derby, and it's basically they uh-huh. do documentaries on the lesser-known sports. But these people train their asses mm-hmm. off, you know, year-round to, to to perform at the highest levels of these sports. But it's nobody's full-time job because that you know just doesn't exist. So that's where I kind of became with the idea of this. Like I love you know talking to people like you because you played at the highest level, but. Now you've had to transition to, let's say, you know, quote unquote, normal person life. <laughs> and yeah. um, you, you know, so like, like I mentioned, you know, kind of like a selfless plug here, but um, you work for Rubcor. And the reason I say selfless plug for those who don't know, um, they are a sponsor of mine. And that's how I met Roger. Um, I worked with Jonathan Wilson, shout out to Jonathan, in an old job and um, he stayed in contact and then. Um, it was just kind of like a perfect marriage for their, um, they do rubber flooring, um, customized rubber flooring. And um, Roger's a part of the athletic division. Um, so he's an athletic floor specialist. And um, I, you, if you follow me on Instagram or any of the social media channels, I'm always showing pictures of it. It's under my, under my cycling, you know, under my bike in my little cycling studio. So um, yeah, that's how we met each other. But so how did you how did you make the transition from from Ireland to Rubcorn? You know, connect the dots. What what was what, what took you here? Well, we can't. I didn't go directly into Rubcorn, so we moved out here about two just over two years ago. Um, my wife's a U.S. citizen. We've got two young kids, um, so we kind of I retired three years ago. So we we always want to come out here and just do something different. Um, we ended up in uh, Texas for a number of different reasons. You know, good weather good economy, cost of living, all that sort of stuff. So we ended up in Texas, but whenever we got out here, I first of all set up a company called Tackle Smart, which is uh, really coaching uh, yeah, coaching football players here, how to adopt the rugby style of tackling, basically using your shoulder more to try and reduce concussions. Because that's, um, that's a huge deal. That's a huge, in football, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got, the, you got the equipment that you can kind of hide behind. So you see these players weaponizing their bodies you know, leading with their heads or, you know, just using their body yeah. like a missile, really, you know, when... Uh, well, that's it, yeah, and, and yeah. I think that's one of the big uh, dilemmas that they have is that constantly they're bringing out all this, like, quote-unquote, new technology, this new helmet's going to stop concussions, but it'll be great for uh, stopping, you know, fractures and cuts and bruises and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really stop the brain shaking around inside the head, which is essentially what uh, what a concussion is, and right. if you're right. if you're constantly being taught or not being taught technique and how to tackle you're, you're putting your head in a position which is going to get an impact uh which is essentially going to shake your brain so the big difference kind of in rugby you didn't have the helmets you don't have the pads so as a kid the first thing you're taught is how to tackle properly and, and you know put your head in behind or to the sides so that you're not you're not getting a collision and you're not wrapping up a lot of players are ankle biters or you know they're looking for that big hit you know where they're not wrapping up and then you see a lot of thudding. yeah yeah yeah, so there's a number of different things that you can combine. I mean, safety is a big thing, but performance as well. I, I believe what what a coach is going to make teams 
players, better tacklers as well. So mm. anyway, I've, I've, I started that up and I've been doing it for about a year. Um, and I had, uh, I was just about to go into kind of a, a program where I was, I was, I'd moved on and I was starting to do coaching of the coaches themselves. So kind of educating the high school coaches and how to use these techniques. And then along came old COVID-19 and uh, <laughs> things got kind of put on the back burner for a while. So mm. it was around that time that, uh, yeah, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Wilson, who, you know, a former colleague or, or a former employee of SC Dallas came along and I'd known him for a while, you know, through kind of networking events and things. And uh, it, the timing kind of was just very fortunate that he asked me to come on full time and really take a lead in the, the sports performance line of what they are doing. And RubCorp really is uh, it's a rubber surfacing company. Uh, not many people have a clue what that means, but the easiest way to think about it is, you know, kids play playgrounds or play areas that sort of uh, crumb rubber or rubber crumb uh, material. Um, they've done a lot of their big thing. I mean, it's a small company uh, with some great people in charge, about 10 people all together, but they've done some huge uh, work out in Las Vegas. I mean, if you walk up and down that strip in Vegas, you'll, most of the casinos and the resorts you see there will have this surface put down around their pool areas, you know, Caesars Palace, Plant Hollywood, you know, all these sort of flamingo, all these different places. Mm -hmm. But they're really mm -hmm. trying to expand things onto sports performance, and that's kind of where uh, Jonathan brought me in to try and use the uh, the knowledge that I've had with professional sport and, you know, the contacts that I have to try and push this a little bit further, which has been great. You know, it's been a, a learning curve uh, a lot because as a, the life as a pro athlete, you know, whenever you, you go into that from school, basically, your whole life's basically spoon-fed to you, you know, mm -hmm. so you're, you're told, uh, you're told, you send a schedule for the week, you're told what time to turn up, uh, where to meet, what to wear what to eat it's all given to you. your training diaries come to you and you, you literally don't have to think you know you just have to make sure you're there on time so that's one of the big uh difficulties or you know the, tr the transition that, that people make from professional sport to you know the real world is the is the big challenge you know where a lot of people are face end up facing kind of uh, mental health issues because they just really aren't prepared for it so yep and roger then that's exactly exactly you know why i you know wanted to talk to you um because you know that the idea of the show is you know it's people who compete at really high levels you know whether it be you know whether whether you were uh high you know middle school high school college or you play professionally well, it's not something that, you know, it's like you're done and then you're done with life. You're just going to ride it out. It's you got to keep grinding, you know, and I feel like athletes have that competitive, you know, that, that, that streak in them that they have to get out. And that's why when you mentioned that you continue to still play, you play in, you know, the quote unquote old, right, the old boys league or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did a I did a kind of invitational tournament out to Bermuda. It's like a, they call it the old uh, Bermuda Classic. So it's like a veteran's. Uh, tournament so Ireland play we played against you know a few South Africa Argentina these sort of teams but yeah it was it was more of a social than anything but it was it was it got competitive more a lot more competitive than I thought it was going to get and I ended up I was very like not really conditioned I, I train you know most days but I don't train for contact mm -hmm. situations anymore so I tell you it took me a good three or four weeks to fully get over it because, I mean aside uh, from it wasn't I mean, there, was, there was no gentleman's agreement put it that way it was pretty yeah. full on well, you get a bunch of high-level competitive athletes playing a contact sport. I mean, it's uh, you kind of know where that's going to go, right? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, hard to hold yeah, up. Yeah, well, it's all 
it, it was all sold to me nicely and say, oh, we'll get a five-star hotel out in Bermuda and it's going to be nice and chilled. You know, we, we'll do no training. We'll just turn up and play the games. But as soon as you turn up to play the games, you know, you get one or, one or two of the old school players. They start, you know, breathing fire and, you know, bringing back the old memories. And then it just gets really full on, you know. So yeah. it was... Uh, it was good fun, but it was, uh, yeah, I'll probably park out and, not, and refuse to come next year. Same thing Same thing happened to me. Um, I played, so uh, where I'm from in Buffalo, there's this company that travels the country, and what they do is they put together, um, they, they travel the country and they find, like, some of the biggest rivalries, you know, in, in the towns or in the cities, and they set up a full-contact, full-pad football game. And um, I, I was originally... So when this company came, you know, around to our our, um, our our city in Buffalo, I was at the time playing professionally. You know, not you know, I wasn't in the NFL or anything, but I was playing indoor football, and so I was in football uh-huh. shape. You know, and I became the biggest advocate for it. And man, I didn't realize. I mean, we had you know players of all decades. You know, players in the 30s, 40s, 50s. You know, and once game day came, I mean, they literally brought a truck of shoulder pads and helmets, and it was just uh-huh. full go. And kind of like the same thing you're talking about. They sell it as, yeah, you know, it, it is full pad, full contact, but it's just to be safe, you know, and it's, it's for fun. Yeah. I mean, once you strap those pads on, and it's like kind of like the reverse of PTSD, you know what I mean? You just kind of like snap back yeah. into it. And uh, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was like man, I play professionally, like, I'm getting hit three, four times a week, and I'm still, you know, this is pretty intense. <laughs> I know. I, I just think it's, like, competitive nature as well. Like, you go you go with the mindset of just taking it easy and chilling, but as soon as you get in the pitch, it just, you know, you can't really do that. And as I kind of say, whenever I, I go to the gym uh, fairly regularly now, and even sometimes I go in the gym, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take it easy there and chill and you, you kind of get on the treadmill or whatever it is the bike and you just chill for a while and you get oh this is a bit boring you know let's put it up a bit and by the time you know it you're like you're absolutely busting yourself and you're trying to reach a certain number of calories burnt yep. after a certain period of time and it's just i don't know i think it's that kind of mindset's built into you that's exactly right when you've competed and again that's why i wanted to start this show you know i i, I talked to I mean i had a guy on a couple of weeks ago he started getting into inline speed skating at the age of 40 I have um, really yeah yeah and this guy came in third place at the national championships um there was another guy who or a, a couple of they're actually they're kids they're 21 but they've been playing can jam I don't know if you even know what that game is um but no they're the, it, it's basically it looks like you're throwing a frisbee in a garbage can and um they are the two-time national champions and they're cousins you know and they started when they were 10 years old playing this game um, really yeah, yeah. So my goal is to, you know, if someone listening to this who, you know, played rugby maybe growing up or, you know, sees you as a professional athlete who, let's face it, a lot of, you know, some professional athletes don't find that continued, you know, grind, that continued competitiveness. So I guess that's my question is how do you, aside from that, you know, one-off occasional, like, you know, tournament or anything like that, do you do any type of, like, leagues or you know do you do anything to compete to get that streak out of you um not right now it's just uh, i think you know we we're, we're over here two years and the whole transition from going well number one kind of moving from one part of the world to the other without any family network with two i mean our kids are you know two three years old so 
that in itself has been pretty time consuming. I can't uh, imagine also, doing that. That's nuts. Yeah, and, and okay. kind of just getting getting used to a new way of life and a new part of the world and mm-hmm. um the new line of work as well, just trying to get that all settled. So really up until now I haven't really had a huge amount of time. I would love to do kind of focus on uh I don't know, whether it be kind of you know something along the lines of even what you, you do yourself like triathlon but i just don't know i haven't i need I, I will get the stage where i'm going to do something but up until now i haven't had the time but you definitely have that there's something in you that you can't really sit still for too long mm-hmm. you know it's there's something in there that really wants to make you compete again yep. so maybe when the kids get a bit older i'll just start getting very competitive with them now you played for 15 years how old are you uh 38 okay so you started Probably what right out of college or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I pretty much started like halfway through college and and then went pro halfway through. And then the way it works back home, you can become pro and then you can do do your rest of your college like a little bit slower. If you know what I mean? So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, from probably uh, basically from age twenty to thirty five, I think it was. I was pro. Nice. I mean, I'm thirty four, and I can't imagine wrapping up the pads right now. <laughs> I mean, that's at a point yeah. until you're thirty five. Well, that's pretty impressive. But that's the other thing as well. Like, I would love to do more. You know, people are always saying, oh, come and do uh, come and do some, you know, kickboxing or whatever it is. But at the same time, I realize that my body's not really what a lot of... Th- I mean, uh, physically, I'm at, like, to look at, I'm not, I'm not, like, overweight and I'm not this and that. But in terms of kind of joint movements and a bit of soreness and niggle, like, I'm probably not where most 39-year-olds are. So I'd love to do a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, you are pretty restricted in the wear and tear that your kind of body's taken over that period of time. Well, that's what happened to me. And I'll tell you what, man, I, uh, you know, this, I'm trying to qualify for Bermuda next year. And if I do, that's right. You're going to come and you're going to get inspired. And then we're going to both do triathlons all over the world. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. I would be up for that hundred percent. You just need to teach me how to swim properly. Yeah. Well, I'm still learning that myself. So. You allowed to, right you allowed to wear flippers, are you, or not? Uh, no flippers. No wetsuits. If it's cold enough, you can wear a wetsuit that keeps you, <laughs> you know, buoyant so you're not drowning. <laughs> I'd, be more, I'd be more worried about the jellyfish things. That's why I'd be wearing it. Oh, I hate, yeah. The, uh, the, the ocean ones freak me, freak me out because I, yeah. I grew up on the Great Lakes, you know, so we never had to deal with any saltwater fish or yeah. you know, any of that nonsense. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm grossed out by fish enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. But, yeah, that sounds like a plan. We'll get that sorted. I love that. Well, Roger, what I'm going to do is um, at the end of every show, and I know you got to get going here, um, in the show notes, what I do is I put links to different stuff. Um, so I'll put the Rubcore website on there. Um, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, you sponsor me. But yeah. the floor is sick, and they, they, you know, custom made it for me. So just gave them the dimensions. They made it look great. Um, so if you are, you know, if, if say someone listening to this owns a gym or – you know, just want something for their backyard. You know, it's easy maintenance. And um, I'll put the link up there. Um, what was the league that you were in? Because I'll post a link up to the uh, the website as well for your league that you were in. Um, the easiest one would probably be, it's just called the English, they change sponsors all the time, but it's just the English Premiership Rugby. If, I, if you kind of put something like that, that might be the easiest thing. So English yeah. Premiership Rugby. And then I'll hook um, up. I'll hook up your um, put your Instagram on there too, so people can follow you. I mean, I know 
You're always you you have a fun life. Yeah. I like following you. Yeah, I I, I kind of uh, I'm trying to I I'm a bit late to go on Instagram. I only went on it. I started it. Um, I had one for tackle smart my business, but I I've, I went to my personal one very recently. So I'm I'm all at a I'm maxed out at about. 250 followers so i'm really flying high at the moment so i could do with a few extras let's get it up let's get it up folks you heard him you need some followers let's do it um, there you go and then the other thing i'll put up the tackle smart website as well and then um, i'll put up the usa rugby um because there's always events going on all over the country right with usa rugby yeah. the governing body yeah awesome. especially with the sevens as well set like us Rugby, uh, rugby's 15 players, but they have a shortened version called Sevens, which is actually an Olympic sport now in the U.S. Or yep. U.S. are actually very good at it. They're one of the best teams in the world. So yeah, that'll be good, good for people to have a look at. It's fun to watch too. Like I said, compared to Full compared sport, to yeah. football, it's like uh, it's like watching football without the linemen. It's all real, yeah. just fast. It's fast. Yep. It's nonstop. Yeah, it's a brilliant sport to watch. Awesome. Well, Roger, before you go, anything that we missed or anything that you'd want to add that we didn't go over? No, no, no. I'm, I mean, we, I know we're a bit strapped for time, so uh, yeah, and, and we're trying to fit everything in. But anytime you, you want me to come back, I'm, I'm, you know where I am, you know, so uh, we can talk about other things another time. But yeah, aside from that, it was fun. Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, I look forward to seeing your progress and getting that Bermuda trip sorted. You got it, brother. Well, hopefully I can inspire you to do one of your own someday. Thanks for your time, man, and have fun at your, uh, your practice. Cheers, Brian. Appreciate it. All right, I'll see you. Well, there you go. There you have it, folks. Another episode in the books with Roger Wilson here, that professional rugby player. Um, can you believe it? We've done 10 episodes already. I certainly can't believe it. It's flying by. And uh, I'm not surprised because everyone that we talk to has such a cool and unique story. I hope I'm doing the job that I set out to do and inspire you uh, to do your very best and maybe pick something up that you have been putting off for a little bit of time, but you know, like that fire under you. So um, as usual, um, I always like to plug just a couple of things here. You know, first of all, that rub core, like we talked about in the show, I know home gyms are really, you know, the uh, the trend now, obviously, as many of you aren't able to make it to the gym. So um, if you are, you know, the kettlebells, uh, any weights at home and you need some, uh, you know, you, you need to t- lay off the floor, t- it's taking a pounding. <laughs> um, they make some great, great, great customized floors. You see it on my Instagram, my Facebook. Um, I'm always taking shots of it. It's under my bike. Um, it collects all my sweat as I cycle in my room here, but... I'll have the show, or I'm sorry, the uh, link to the website in the notes so you can go ahead and check that out if you were interested and um, go from there. And then also, as usual, I always like to plug On Running as I am a part of the On Run crew and it's my favorite brand out there. But there is something really cool coming up here this weekend on August 15th. We're aiming to create the world's biggest virtual running support network. So um, just stay tuned. Um, Check my Instagram out, and it's going to be a really cool event, and I'll have all the details in there for you. Um, And I, like I said before, I have been running in the new OnCloud Xs, and they are incredible. I actually pounded out a half marathon in those bad boys on uh, Sunday morning and uh, felt great. I really do enjoy the shoe a lot. So if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to answer them for you and help you out however I can. So again, thanks for listening. 
I hope to inspire and we'll see you on the next show coming out. We have plenty of fun guests coming around. So always go ahead and check us out on Facebook, um, on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm all over the place. All the links are in the show notes. And as always, go for the Goldie. Bye-bye. <laughs>